Hey, Redemption Arcadia, it's Tyler and Reagan here. Uh, our hearts are heavy today uh, with all of the disturbing news that we've been hearing this week and in recent weeks. There's a lot of brokenness around us, and there's a lot of brokenness in us. And as such, we want to ask the Lord to have mercy on us. As we were talking this morning, Reagan reminded us that Christ has to be our source during this time, that we have to continue to look to him and to show love to one another in the midst of all of this brokenness. So that's our prayer today. That's our hope as we worship and sing together that God would be our source, that Christ would be at work in and through us, even in the midst of our brokenness, and that we'd fix our eyes on him. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out all my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So, Lord God, we pray that you would cleanse us from our sins, that you would heal us from our brokenness, and that, Lord, we would fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Would you be our source during this time? as we love you and seek to love each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Try. 
Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Jehovah is my pastor, nada me faltará. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Me pastoreará. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. No temeré mal alguno. I will fear no evil. 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 Porque tú estarás conmigo. For you are with me. You are with me. For you are with me. With me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Me seguirán todos los días de mi vida. Todos los días de mi vida. And I shall dwell. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Por largos días. Por largos días. Forever. This, this is, is the word, word of the Lord. This, this is the word, word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Not live, but pre-recorded from Arcadia, Arizona. It is the Sunday virtual gathering with your pastor, Frank Switzer. Frank's guest today is Pastor Tyler James. So welcome, Pastor Tyler, please. <laughs> That's probably an outtake, but we decided to leave it in. We are in the second week of our series in Psalm 23, and we're looking at uh, verse 2 and the first little line in verse 3. So we're talking about how um, the psalm says, uh, he, the Lord, uh, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. That's what we're looking at today. And, and as I was talking with uh, some of the people about how we're going to do this series, uh, it just sort of started sticking in our minds that one of these uh, sermons one of these messages would be really fun to do as a conversation between a couple of people. And so uh, Tyler and I started working on this, and we think we have a pretty interesting conversation yeah. for the next 25 or 30 minutes uh, about verse 2 and verse 3a of uh, Psalm 23. So 
Um, I think uh, we'll get, go ahead and get started. I, I had a way of approaching these three lines in the psalm. Again, makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters, and restores my soul. I had a way of approaching it, and then Tyler had a completely different way of approaching it. So let's start there. Let me just ask you how you decided to approach. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me be here. And sure. Yeah, I've been thinking of this psalm as really a psalm of confidence, and I got that from some of the commentaries I've read. And what's interesting about that is you, you think about the history of the people of Israel. They would have gone back in, in hearing this and gone, oh, these are the ways that God was shepherding us through all of that, Right. And so right away, I just started to think, and maybe we can start by just encouraging you all to think and consider, what are some ways in your life in this season right now that you see God shepherding you as the good shepherd as, as just a really good way to, to start? But yeah, I broke it down in uh, just the verses. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and kind of... So you went with a straight of sort of exegetical plan. Yeah, which is kind of my wheelhouse, yeah. which I enjoy doing, which I, that made me, it just, I found it interesting that that's not the direction I went mm. with this. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more topically, so I think mm. this will meld well, but I wanted to talk a little bit more topically about this notion of God leading us mm. and where he leads us, yeah. uh, which we see in the second part of verse two. Uh, but then I also want to talk about, if you really think about scripture, and you think about this series that we're just coming out of with the Lord's Prayer, you could argue that there's an apparent contradiction here, mm-hmm. uh, that, that uh, back in the Lord's Prayer, we were told that God leads us into tests and trials in order to strengthen us. And we don't like those tests and trials, and those tests and trials are hard and challenging and unpleasant, but he leads us into tests and trials. But here in this, in this psalm, we find out that he leads us beside green pastures, which are apparently good, still waters, which are apparently good, and of course, restoring our soul is, mm. is good. So there's a contradiction there, and I think we, we should probably talk about that. Um, I was sort of led to uh, think about uh, a little bit about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is one of my favorite chapters in, in Scripture and how that might fit into this. And then, and then finally, uh, looking at all these different things, all these different components in these verses. So um, this idea that, that he makes us lie down. Of course, he leads us. And then what does it mean to have our soul restored? Yeah. And so just really digging in deeper into that. So why don't we just start with... Um, the way you've looked at it and, sure. and maybe start with this idea of uh, he makes me lie down by uh, beside uh, in green pastures. Yeah. So as we mentioned, there's echoes here in, of John 10, uh, this idea of the good shepherd. And interestingly, what got brought up in Preaching Collective, I'm going to refer to this a few times. One of the really good things that got brought up there was in John 6, where Jesus is feeding the 5,000 and literally having them sit in a green in a green pasture and and teaching them, feeding them. Uh, and so there's really good echoes there. But one of the main things for me was seeing over and over this theme of how necessary trust is yeah. as sheep in light of the good shepherd, how important it is to trust. So thinking about makes me lie down in green pastures, I was thinking sheep won't lay down unless they're secure and confident and, and trusting. If they're nervous, they're not just going to lounge around. And so there's a lot of inherent trust in here. And the first question is, do we trust the shepherd? If, if he is our good shepherd, do we trust where he's leading us? Do we trust that he knows where the green pastures even are and how to get them and, and what's best for us? 
And what do you think the green path, I mean, the, no word in scripture is superfluous. Right. Every detail is important. So mm-hmm. specifically green pastures, is there po- potentially some symbolism there? I think there is, and I'm yeah. just wondering what you think about that. Yeah, uh, one of the commentators I was reading was uh, Spurgeon. He's got a really good commentary through the Psalms, and he equates the green pastures to the scriptures of truth, as he words it, which is the word of God, the Bible. And so think about that for a moment. Um, the word of God and, and these green pastures, always fresh, always rich. Um, its truth is never exhausted. It's described even in scripture as food for us and the similarities go on and on, which I thought was really a good Yeah, it seems to me that it's about um, giving life. It's life-giving and it's nourishing. Mm. You know, we talked last week about how the good shepherd feeds the sheep, but he's going to feed the sheep what the sheep need, not necessarily what the right. what the sheep want. I do want to ask you about this guy Spurgeon, right? Because there's there's a uh, there's a hockey player in the National Hockey League, hmm. plays for the Minnesota Wild. He's one of their best players. His name is Spurgeon. Right. Is that the Spurgeon that you're quoting, uh, or is this some other Spurgeon? Email in if you know. Okay, great. good. All great right. to figure that I'd, out. I'd like to know if that's yeah. a biblical scholar or if it's this guy that plays hockey. Okay, good. Okay. So um, the still. <laughs> <laughs> the still waters. Now he he leads us to still waters. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much in there. Um, uh, if if the green grass is the word of God, then then Spurgeon would say that the water, the still water, is the spirit of God. Now again, thinking about that, the still waters often run deepest, and where is there more depth than in the spirit of God? He himself is described as a still small voice. And we have to quiet ourselves enough to be able to hear that and receive from that. And the spirit, as the water, will cleanse us and refresh us, enrich, fertilize. And water in this landscape would have been uh, immensely valued and cherished and as the spirit yes. is in the life of the believer. Too. Yeah. 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 And there's an idea there of the sheep won't drink from anything but still, still water. And so this is interesting to yeah. me, and we'll have some riffs on this, so okay. go ahead. So yeah, he's a good shepherd, right? And I think of that in the cosmic sense. He's cosmically good and ultimately good, but he's also a skillful shepherd, right? And so he knows his sheep and knows they're not going to drink from this raging torrent waterfall thing if they can help it. He's going to find and know where the still waters are that will really be able to nourish But even just a running river, a river that's just kind of running by, Mm. not necessarily raging, but even that uh, makes the sheep anxious and skittish, and Mm. and they won't drink from that. And yet, there's a little bit of tension here, because I think, because really the freshest water, the cleanest water, is always going to be the water that runs. It's not the water that's been sitting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the water that's been sitting is undrinkable. But the best water is going to be the water that's running. Yeah. I think the fact that, that God does, the, shep, the shepherd does take the sheep beside the still water is an indication also of, his, of the shepherd's tender and compassionate heart to understand that there are times when, yes, maybe the sheep need running water, but, but what they really even need more now is, is the, the shepherd's empathy, hmm. his compassion, his love, his tenderness, and his gentleness uh, to lead the sheep beside still waters. I think that's a, a big part of the picture that's happening here. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's the depth of the Holy Spirit, but it's also reminding us, like if you think of the fruit of the Spirit, how much uh, gentleness and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, self-control and those quiet things are a part of 
the fruit of the Spirit as well. It, it, it betrays or shows or demonstrates God's true heart for his sheep. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Now, uh, because it's in this, <clears throat> this line, he leads us beside quiet waters or still waters. Uh, I want to get to the thing that I, I picked out really quick, this idea of leading. Mm. So now God is leading us. I approached that word one way, you approached it a different way. Not, not what it means, but the application right. of being led. Hmm. W- w- the way I looked at it is, is a way that I, it's, it's sort of a grid that I see with a lot of different things. And, and here it is. You and I are all going to be led by something. Hmm. Th- there's no way that we're not going to be followers. We're all followers. The question is, who or what is going to lead us. And I know that for so many people, especially, frankly, teaching uh, communication classes in, in, in the college level for the last 20 plus years, I know the answer for many people is, well, I'm my own leader. I lead myself. And ultimately, that's foolish. Hmm. Uh, finding the wrong leaders, including being led by yourself, ultimately is going to be foolish. If you read through scripture and especially the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, you're going to see that this idea of, well, I know what's best for me. I'm going to lead myself. That's where a lot of foolishness uh, comes from. It's also a a derivative of pride. Um, Again, we go back to one of my favorite passages for understanding the rest of the Bible, which would be Genesis chapter three. There's the man and the woman in in paradise, in, in the garden, no sin, Uh, The adversary comes and tempts them. And verse 6 says, the woman looked at the fruit and and saw that it was pleasing to her flesh. It was good to eat. It was pleasing to her eyes. It was beautiful. So it was eye candy. And it was desired to make one wise. Um, In in the creation story, we have this nod in in the text to the Trinity, Let us make human beings in our image and after our likeness. The us there is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we see what I would call the triad of temptation. The three things that tempt us the most are flesh. She looked and saw that it was good to eat. It was going to be pleasurable to her flesh. She saw that it was beautiful. It was a delight to her eyes. That's that's the eye candy uh, temptation. And then... Eating the fruit was desired to make one wise. That's an issue of pride. I want to be smarter than everybody else. I want to be superior to everyone else. That pride thing will get us into trouble every single time. It's C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, which is a great book, by the way, and everybody should read that book. He says, pride is a complete anti-God state of mind. It's the chief of all sins. It's the one sin through which virtually every other sin gets manifest. Pride is at the, it's the tip of the spear of this triad of temptation. And when we say, when we, in defiance to God's gentle shepherding leadership, we say, no, I'm going to lead myself, we are ultimately leading ourselves into foolishness and, and problems and issues. Um, but there are other leaders, too, other shepherds as well. I talked about them last week, uh, about, you know, the, our political shepherds, our journalism shepherds, our, our business, whatever those shepherds are, we need to understand who the true shepherd is and allow him to lead us. Mm. Now, you have, you have another area of application for that idea of being led, too. Yeah, and of course, there's lots of overlap. I think that's, that's really good. We have to start with considering where are we headed? What path are we on? Is it the one that the good shepherd is leading us on, or is it ours, or is it another shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. We have to start by trying to consider 
those things. And then I think remember that the only way to what's called good is the path that the good shepherd leads us on. Everything else, and if you think back as a, if you've been a Christian for a while or are not a Christian, uh, can, looking back and seeing where did those paths lead that where you were not following the good shepherd, where did they lead? Because I bet they didn't lead to what you would call good now that you've been down that path. And so we have to remember that and maybe course correct into, into the way that's uh, right. Yeah, I think you're right. We, we are led by something. And you, you know that, that saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Yes. It's interesting here that he, he guides us to, he takes us to the green pastures. It doesn't say he makes us eat from the green pastures. He just takes us there, makes yeah. us lie down there. And then with the water, he leads me beside the still water. It doesn't say makes me drink. And so there's a really important note there that there's an agency involved. There's room this. for agency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- and there is really a important. response mm-hmm. that is required. Sorry, that's, yeah, that's, no, I yeah. get excited about this stuff. I'm, I like that you're excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, there, there's a decision that must be made by us as sheep is where are we going to eat and drink and follow? Where are we going to do yeah, those things? That's yeah. really good. Um, to follow up on a couple of those things, you're talking about these paths, these uh, are we going to take God's path or are we going to take our path? And that's actually next week. Yeah. The rest of verse 3 is he leads us uh, into paths of righteousness. And, mm-hmm. and that literally can be translated as um, the paths that God approves. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's coming. It's, it's, it's not just that he leads us, but he's going to lead us into the, the place where righteousness dwells, mm-hmm. which is ultimately what all of us do want. Mm-hmm. Now, we have different ways that we think we're going to go about getting that, but we do want it. Um, the other thing is, you know, I say, we're all going to be led by something. That fits in with all of these other times I've said, we're all going to serve something. Hmm. Are you going to serve your ego? Are you going to serve your arrogance? Are you going to serve your pride? Are you going to serve uh, the wrong leader? We're, we're all going to serve something. Are you going to serve your flesh? Are you going to serve your eyes? We're hmm. all going to serve something. And we're all going to worship something. So what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping false gods or are we worshiping the true God? And so we're all going to be led by something fits uh, right in with that as yeah. well. Yeah. I had to fight hard not to go down that paths conversation knowing you were going to get there. But there's a really natural it tendency is. to start yeah. discussing that. Yeah. So we'll leave that for you for next week. Okay. Yeah. So then the next thing is if we're done with the quiet waters, then restores my soul. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there's really interesting language in there. Uh, it's one of the beautiful things about this psalm is it's poetry and it's, it's beautiful and it's a song. And then you can learn a lot from the literal words used and from the translation of, since it's poetic license, the translations that we end up with. And so you could say in this, he keeps me alive. In the, in the really literal words, he keeps me alive. He gives me green pastures, need that. Yes. Leads me to water, need that. He keeps me alive, right? But I think we miss that beautiful spiritual element by just saying it that way. But he restores my soul, reminds me of this is the mission that this good shepherd is on. He's in the business of restoring souls. And why do we need restoration? You, you talked about this a little bit. Talk about that. Why do we need restoration? Well, the, the reason we need restoration is because uh, we go out into this fallen and corrupt world and we not only get dinged, but we get torn apart. Right. And some of that getting torn apart is our own doing. It's, it's us going out and trying to forge our own paths and being led by ourselves and our own sin. 
But we also get torn apart by the sin of other people. We get torn apart by uh, just the fallenness and the corruption and the difficulties of this world. Mm. Hello, coronavirus pandemic. Every day we go out and we just get torn apart. Mm. The restores my soul language is akin to, I've read a couple of commentaries on this. It's akin to how God takes the fragmented self and puts us back together again and makes us whole again. Mm. And it was interesting because just this uh, last week, uh, just a couple days ago, during the, uh, during the preaching collective, Tim Mond, who's uh, at, at Gilbert, was talking about how, let me tell you something, every day I get up and I'm ready to go, but by the time I'm done at the end of the day, I am wiped out, I am sometimes discouraged, mm-hmm. I, am, I, I feel fragmented, I don't feel whole. And so this idea of restoring our soul is, is that at the end of the day, you know, his mercies are new every morning. We need that. But at the end of the day, he's also capable because mm-hmm. he's God, the good shepherd of restoring our souls. So it's I good. think that's a beautiful thing as it's well. It's good and it's true in this, again, this cosmic sense of this salvific act of restoration, but also in those daily moments of, of much needed at times restoration. Yeah. It's really good. And I think that's a, that's a great segue into... Uh, this one other thing that I have uh, about the contradiction, the apparent contradiction. Hmm. So in, in the Lord's Prayer, God is going to test us, and we better just figure that out and, and, and walk with God through those tests or uh, re- realize that God is walking with us through those tests. We need to understand that. But here is this picture of a shepherd who's really going to protect us and make life easier uh, for us. So I want to talk about this contradiction and just say, yeah, that's life. One of the reasons he needs to lead us to the green pastures and to the still waters and to restore our soul is because we are going to get tested. There is going to be temptation. There's going to be, there are going to be mountains placed before us, as I've said before, that God could remove, but he doesn't remove, but he promises to go up with us. But we're going to be sort of torn apart at the end of that. Uh, journey, even though God is with us. And so there is this need for him to also come along as the shepherd and to restore us. Mm. Sometimes a shepherd is going to take the sheep and he's going he's to push the sheep hard a- a- in order to get somewhere that they need to be. And the sheep are going to be tired and, and fragmented at the end of that day. And so he, he restores us in that. And in fact, later on during Uh, message number four of this series, we're going to hear David say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. So it's not just tempting and uh, uh, testing and tempting. It's that we're going to go through these valleys where the shadow of death is around us. Mm -hmm. And so God is still with us and his rod and his staff comfort us and he restores our soul. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the Tylers sent this to me. I think it was the other Tyler. So Tyler Thompson, but he sent this in the midst of this. This is great. I love this. You should put this on a t-shirt, okay? (laughs) God says there is a time for testing and there is a time for resting. Mm -hmm. And that's the picture. And that is the biblical picture. That That is the picture of our journey as sheep, as followers of Christ through life. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome uh, this world, and so I see that um, that contradiction playing out that way. And, and so, in a sense, it's not really a contradiction; it's just an acknowledgement of how life really is. And then it reminds me again of Ecclesiastes chapter three. This is what Solomon writes: 
And I, and I just think this is so helpful and so beautiful. Solomon writes, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. By the way, if you're of my age, my vintage, you remember that the birds had a platinum song, sold three million copies, uh, that was um, called Turn, Turn, Turn. All it is is them just singing Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a way to make money. Just sing Ecclesiastes, okay? <laughs> anyway, so Solomon writes, there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. By the way, the time to be born and a time to, to die. I'm a little closer to the time to die. You're a little, still a little closer to the time to be born. But that's life. We need to understand that. And that's the beauty of this passage. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Yes, even dance, for those of you that think dancing is a sin. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak time to love and a time to hate and a time for war and a time for peace. There is a time for testing and there is a time for resting. And one of the things that Solomon makes clear is that when, the, when we're in those really hard times, those seasons that are hard, he says, don't make decisions that you think will help you get out of that hard season because it'll probably end up prolonging the hard season. And when you're in the wonderful seasons, the mountaintop seasons that you're enjoying, don't make decisions that you think will prolong that season because all it will do is shorten those good seasons. So there's the contradiction in context, which really is just God doing his thing for us. So closing thoughts. Yeah. So in light of that contradiction thing, God has led you beside the still waters. He's also led you into the valley. And so um, get this made me think of that. One of the names attributed to God is Emmanuel with us. Right. Yes. And something Helena said, which was really good. That's my wife. She said, you can experience the still waters in the valley of the shadow of death because God is with you in both. That's right. That's really wow, good. Wow, that's really good. And it, it, We should bring Paul. Is, <laughs> is she back there? Um, yeah, it's interesting because it exposes our view of good and, and wrong, how we view it. If we view good as the goal and wrong as the not goal, we miss the point entirely. Jesus says the point is that I'm Emmanuel. I'm with, with you, you in all of it. Because the still waters can be a trial too, right? That's really good. I think good. We, we miss that. That's, yeah. Anyway, okay, so in closing, I was thinking about how do we, maybe I'm sitting there listening to this and going, how do I get that kind of stillness, that kind of green pastures, that abundant inner life to be able to enjoy these things? And again, what was brought up in the Preaching Collective is, sadly, there's no formula here. Even though I might want a formula, do this, do this, then you can have the abundant life. It doesn't happen that there's no formula. It's an invitation to a person. Right? That's right. It's, a, it's an invitation to get to know this good shepherd. That's the only formula that can exist. And so there's no room in this for moralism. There's no room yeah. in this for I've got to do this better and this better and this better. And then I'll get whatever. It's I, I need to fall in love with this good shepherd more deeply. That's, that's really That's good. the only formula we can have, right? And, and I think we see a picture of that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, hmm. the night that Jesus is betrayed, the night before he's crucified where Jesus is in the valley of the shadow of death and he's praying to God and he's saying, if there's another way, let this cup pass before me. 
but, but then he says, not my will, but your will. And he's basing that on the fact that his father is always with him. Mm. And his father is going to go th- with him through this valley, not in his case of the shadow of death, but of the cup of wrath. Yeah. His father is with him, and then his, his father raises him to new life. And, and so we see the gospel in this, um, in this motif, in this tableau as well. Mm. The gospel is front and center in the fact that he tests us and he lets us rest and he leads us to resting. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. One, one last closing thought, if I could. So in line with that thinking of God, Emmanuel, he's with us. I was thinking the only time that that wasn't true for Jesus was on the cross. Yes. Right. That's when right. he took our sin for right. us, that was the only time that God was not with him. God turned his back and think about the wound that that must have felt like to Jesus, yeah. who had perfect unity with the Father. He did that for you and I. That's right. And that is a shepherd worth following. Yes. That is a path I want to be on, someone he, that can He do that. turned his back on his son because his son was doing what was necessary so that God wouldn't turn his back on us. Yeah, amen. That's unbelievable. That's good. So give us a, a prayer and a benediction. How's yeah, that? so I thought I would read uh, verse 6 of Psalm 23, and I'll just kind of reword it, and this will be a prayer and a benediction on behalf of you and I and the pastors here for you all to contemplate this week as we go. So our prayer for you, based on verse 6, is that for those who are in Christ, that you would remember that surely goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life. And this is our great hope, Christians, is that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. That's our great hope. And so thank you for being here. Remember to uh, consider those words this week. Remember to live all of life, all for Jesus. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time.